Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. There's so many problems in the world and so many ways to be overwhelmed, to be overcome. And it really is hopeless in so many situations for the unbeliever, but not for the believer. For the believer, uh, it is written that he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, that he always causes us to triumph. And the way he does this, the Bible says, what is the, what's the victory that overcomes the world? It's our faith. And so our faith in him uh, enables us, even in the darkest, most hopeless situations, to look up, to reach out to Him, to expect and receive answers. And uh, so many times it doesn't come just all at once, but you'll get enough to take a step, and then another step, and then another step. And if you keep following Him, He'll lead you right out of the bondage into total freedom right out of the lack into abundance. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, get your Bible, get something to make a note with, and come on into the classroom with us. We've saved you a seat here in the front. And let's believe today for fresh manna from heaven exactly what uh, the Lord knows we need. Lord, all of us agree together as touching this, asking you for the anointing, the anointing that teaches that reveals, that guides, that reminds, that shows us things to come. Asking you for the utterance and the ears that can hear it and discern it, the eyes and heart and mind that can distinguish these things. We ask for it. And answers and things we can apply today that will bring victory. We ask you for it. We thank you for it. We give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you please turn in the great textbook, uh, the Bible, to Hebrews, the third chapter. For some time now, we have been on a series. Uh, we, we began talking about uh, faith that overcomes. And uh, that's online at faithschool.org. <clears throat> if you want to go back and listen to those, watch those. It won't cost you anything. No charge. Then, built on the foundation of that, we've begun uh, an additional series here called um, Overcoming Unbelief. And you'll see here in the third chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews 3, it says in verse uh, 18 and, well, verse, verse 17, we'll read, it said, With whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned? whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, 
but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. This refers to what we studied previously about the first generation of God's covenant people that he delivered out of Egyptian slavery and bondage. How that though he had done so many miracles and delivered them when Pharaoh and, and that whole thing was refused to let God's people go. Still, when it came time for them to go into the promised land, into all the good things that God had planned and prepared for them, they failed to go in. They did not enjoy it even though it was God's choice and God's plan for them. This is something that a lot of even church-going people have been confused about. You'll hear people say, well, you know, it just must not have been God's will if something happened or it didn't happen. The implication is that everything that happens or doesn't happen is somehow the will of God. Maybe mysterious, maybe unknowable, but nothing happens except it's the will of God. That's absolutely not true. That is not true. The earth is filled with things that are not God's will, that are contrary to His plan, contrary to His will. And the reason it's that way is because God created man uh, with a, a free will, the ability to choose. If you really have that ability, then you can choose to disobey. You can choose to doubt. You can choose to rebel. And sadly, uh, much, most of the population of the planet, generation after generation, chooses to do that. And so that's what happened with, with these people. Even though God had spectacularly delivered them, yet juncture after juncture, they refused to trust Him. They refused to obey Him and listen to Him. And it finally got to the place where they, they disqualified themselves and instead of going in to the promised land, and we talked about this, Deuteronomy 8 and other places, the Lord said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a land that's watered with the rains of heaven. You don't even have to irrigate it. He said, it's a land where you will move into houses you didn't build. You will enjoy orchards and vineyards uh, that you didn't plant and, he, and wells that you didn't dig. Uh, just uh, moving. See, they come, they come out of slavery. They come out of bondage. And now not only are they free, they're going to be landowners. They're going to be homeowners. They're, they're going to be business owners and all of these things. And to be free and to be blessed and to be prosperous that was God's plan for them. Still is His plan for His people. He never changes. And yet, you'll hear even preachers talking about how that, you know, we don't know why, but God has ordained that some people live in poverty. And, and, and God has ordained that some people, you know, just never have anything and never have any opportunities. And uh, it's just not true. What kept them out? of this amazing land that flows with milk and honey. 
Verse 19, notice it again. What, what kept them out? See, when, when they sent the 12 spies in there, they came back and 10 of them brought up an evil report of the land and they said there are giants there. There are walled cities there. And we can't do it. And so in their mind, that's what's keeping them out. The giants. The walls around the cities. Impenetrable. But according to the Word of God, what kept them out? Verse 19, are you there? What kept them out? We see they could not enter in because what? Because nobody would help them. Because they didn't have the right opportunities growing up. Huh? No, because they couldn't, you know, nobody would loan them any money. Uh, No, no. They couldn't go in because the people were bigger than them. And, and more powerful, and, and the armies were uh, just, you know, way outmatched them. They couldn't go in because the, the walls were impenetrable. No, 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 no. That's not what kept them out. Because if that's what kept them out, and God was the one who were bringing, was bringing them in, that means the giants are bigger than God. Giants are not bigger than God. And the next generation saw giants were not undefeatable. They could be defeated. And so, yeah, there are some things in life that they're mountains. Their their walls seem impenetrable. The giants seem just completely too much for us. But that's when it's time for faith. Class, are you with me? That's when it's time for faith in your God And it's a choice. It's always a choice. You can choose to doubt and feel bad and yield to depression and fear and feel sorry for yourself and you will be defeated. And you can make excuses and you can blame everybody else and you can be the victim your whole life and you can believe that it was all the lack of opportunity, all your deficiencies, all the people that wouldn't help you, It was how big the problems were that kept you out, and that is not true. Because there is a God. I said there's a God, and as a believer, His Spirit is in you. And greater is He that's in you than all the giants and all the walled cities. Somebody said out loud, greater is He he. who is in me me. than he who's in the world. So it wasn't the giants that kept them out. Because if it was just the giants and the walled cities that kept them out, it would have kept out their, the next generation too. But the next generation under Joshua's leadership, they went in. They went over the walled cities. They went through the, the, the situation. They, they defeated the giants, which proved their parents could have too. Proved it. Showed it. Why? Because they had God's help. Yeah, it was too big for them personally, but they weren't by themselves. God was with them. Amen. He, already, he already planned on helping them. <laughs> he knew this was too much for them alone, but they weren't alone. You see, verse 19, that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, keep reading in chapter 4. This wasn't written in chapter and verse, cause this, so this just continues. Let us therefore fear. Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So what happened to them 
does it have any uh, relevance to us? He's saying yes, right here. He, that's why he brought them up. That's why he's saying what happened to them. Then chapter 4, verse 1, he's saying, let us fear, let us be on the watch, lest a promise left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, didn't benefit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So what he's saying is, to New Testament believers, is that what happened to them uh, bears directly on us today. And that just like they had a Canaan land full of the goodness of God to look forward to, that was God's plan for their life, today there is a Canaan's land. There is a rest for believers. Now that doesn't mean that you won't have anything to deal with. As long as you're in this world, there's a curse, there's sin, there's death, there's demons, there's crazy people. You're going to have to deal with some things. But, but, God's plan is that you overcome. That you overcome, that you overcome, that you win, and you move into some good things. And yeah, you'll have to stand and overcome some other things, but then you move into even more good things. And not just for yourself, but so you can help others. So that you can do things for the kingdom, for the church, and for other people. And I'm not just talking only about finances now. I'm talking about God's goodness extends to every part of our being and every part of our life. The peace of God for your heart and your mind. The joy of the Lord for your soul and in your strength. The healing and health of God for your body and for longevity. You know, you get enough poverty in your life, you can't serve God like you need to. You can't even buy a tank of gas, can't even leave the house, can't even do anything because you just, you're broke. You get enough sickness in your life. You're not able to. You don't feel like it. You don't have the strength. You get enough anxiety and depression in your life. Then you're, you're basically uh, limited. You're restricted. Does God want you to be unusable to Him? No. He wants you to be usable. He wants you to be full of life, full of peace, full of joy. Why? You can only minister what you have. If somebody else is down... And you're also down. <laughs> what do you have to give to them? More down. <laughs> they need some up. Is that right? <laughs> they need some up. If somebody's broke and they need some money, you're also broke. You have no money. How can you help them in that area? You can't help them in that area. Oh, but when you're built up, when you're free from condemnation, when you know you're clean and washed by the blood, when you when you got joy, when you got health and strength, you can go, you can do. When you got resources, then you are a, a useful vessel, an able vessel for Him. Everybody, raise a hand and say, "Lord, here am I. Lord, here am I. Use, me. Use me. Make me, make me an able vessel, an able for, vessel. for Your use." For your purposes, to do good, to advance your kingdom, to help others. Thank you, Lord, for making me 
a vessel meet and fit for the master's use. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that'll mean getting free from habits, getting free from sins, getting free from bondages and addictions. It will mean overcoming debt, paying stuff off, getting ahead, getting some extra. It'll mean overcoming weakness and sickness and disease and getting sound to where that you're good for service for a lot more years. Huh? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what he did with the people that he's talking about here. That, That first generation of Israelites that he delivered out of Egyptian bondage, when they took of the Passover lamb, the, the, the day, the night before they left Egypt, that uh, they were given specific instructions. Kill the lamb. And the lamb had to be spotless. And uh, everything about it pointed to Jesus, the lamb of God. And then you take the blood and apply it to the entryway of the home, overhead and on the two side posts. Why? Because when the destroyer came through, he would see the blood and not go into that house. Hallelujah. Can God still keep a house today? Yes, he can. But that wasn't the only thing. They were to get inside. Now listen to this. They were to have their bags packed ready to go, dressed, clothes, hiking shoes or sandals on. Why? Why be ready to go? Pharaoh said he's never letting them go. Yeah, but God says you're leaving tonight. (laughs) So what do you do? Pack your bags. God says you're leaving. Come on, help me out. I don't care if every other report in the world says you can't. You say, yeah, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. And they were to pack their bags, get dressed, ready to travel, And sit down and eat the body of the lamb. Have this Passover meal. Eat the body of the lamb. This is is, uh, portraying what we call the Lord's Supper. And, And, you know, communion. Because you've got the cup that represents the blood. And you've got the bread that represents the body. Well, see, that's exactly what what the Passover lamb. There was the blood on the entryway, but that wasn't all. There was also the body. And they were to, the instructions were, eat it in haste. Why? Because you're getting ready to go. Don't, don't, don't wait. Don't, don't dally. Get in there. Get your bags packed. Dress ready to go. Eat the body of the lamb. And then when they actually came out then, that next morning and that day when they left, the scripture said, the psalmist said, he brought them out with silver and with gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not one? There's some two million people he's talking about. And these people have been slaves. They have been abused. They have been malnourished. They have been underfed. They've been overworked. They've been beaten, all kind of things. They don't live in good conditions. You know amongst a big uh, population like that of slave people, a lot of people had a lot of things wrong with them. But not after the Passover meal. 
Oh, class, are you seeing this? Not after that. Why? Because there was something about the blood that kept them from being destroyed. And there was something about the body that caused them to be healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And is there still salvation and healing in the Lamb today? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. There is. Tradition, religious tradition has lost so much of this. But it's in the Word. I'm just, I'm just you know, sharing uh, from the chapters there in Exodus about the Passover lamb. Go back and read it. Exodus 12 and, and 13 and leading up to what we're going uh, to talk about. But uh, thank God when they came out of there, and this is under the old covenant. Our covenant's better than theirs. When they came out of there, not one feeble person among their tribes because there was healing and restoration in the body of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Somebody say it, say it right now. Say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. For, the for the blood of Christ, of Christ. and for the body, for the body of, Christ. of Christ. I receive, I receive forgiveness, forgiveness and cleansing and salvation by the blood of the Lamb. I am blood bought. I am blood washed. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am made clean. I am saved by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Now keep going. Say this. Thank you, Lord, for the body of the Lamb. By his, stripes, By his stripes, I was healed. I was healed. He, took he took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. He, he carried my pains. Carried my pain. And By his wounds, By his wounds I, am I am made whole. By his stripes, By his stripes I, am I am healed. I receive, I receive. healing. Health, health, strength, strength soundness, soundness. I, declare, I declare with long life, with long life you, will satisfy me you will satisfy me and show me your salvation. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does he still have the power to save and cleanse and wash? Well, does he still have the power to heal and deliver? And make whole and sound? Yes, yes. The two are connected. The two are parts of the same plan of redemption. Notice with me in that fourth chapter again of Hebrews. He said, let us therefore fear, lest a promise left being left to us to enter into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So he is using what happened to them, this generation that was delivered from Egyptian bondage, but then failed to go into the promised land. He's using them as a cautionary thing, warning us in the New Testament. Go to 1 Corinthians 10, please. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, because it deals with the, the same thing in some uh, different words. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, uh, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea 
and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat or food, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. It's a, it's a mistake to neglect the Old Testament. Many are doing it. They think, well, you know, that doesn't apply to us. Oh, yes, it does. People say, well, you know, well, no, we're under grace today, and that's law, and that. No, and you reveal a serious lack of understanding. Our covenant has changed. What makes us righteous has changed. God hasn't changed. What's right and wrong hasn't changed. Faith hasn't changed. Unbelief hasn't changed. Fear hasn't changed. Joy hasn't changed. You understand what I'm saying? All of these eternal things, they, they haven't changed. They don't change. And the writers of the epistles in the New Testament, they are continually referring to the Old Testament, just like right now. I mean, this is 1 Corinthians. doesn't get any more New Testament than this. And yet, what's he referring to? He's talking about Moses. He's talking about what happened with uh, what they ate, what they drank, and, and how the water came out of the rock. And, and a lot of people today are going, well, yeah, but then what's that got to do with us? He's trying to tell you if you'll be quiet. <laughs> that rock was Christ. Everybody say it out loud. That rock, that rock was, Christ. was Christ. Everything that's happening back here in, in the Old Testament are types and shadows. They are beautiful living examples and pictures of what was going to happen when Jesus came. And we just got through talking about the Passover lamb. Is that a beautiful type or what? Yeah. Right? Does it apply to us today? You ought to have those things in mind every time you raise up the cup, every time you eat the bread in communion, you ought to be thinking about when this Passover was instituted back then, what happened to them, how they were saved from death, how they all got healed, how they all got delivered. But see, that's been lost in a large part to the modern organized church. And it's sad because God hasn't changed. His will hasn't changed. His power hasn't changed. And if we'll believe it, we'll experience more and more of His goodness. He, he goes on to say, with many of them, God wasn't well pleased. They were overthrown in the wilderness. These things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things. Don't be idolaters. Verse 8, don't commit fornication. Verse 9, don't tempt Christ. Verse 10, don't murmur like they did. Verse 11, all these things happen as examples. They're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Is he holding what happened to them up to us for an example and saying, don't do what they did? <laughs> See, there are examples of what to do and there are examples of what not to do. And you need to know both. And we're out of time. <laughs> Everybody say like we do. The, the words are on the screen. Say it out loud. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome the world by faith. I am strong in faith, giving glory to God. There's so much more to see. We just got this introduced. Come back with us tomorrow 
and let's learn more how to overcome this unbelief. We'll see you next time here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.